We're glad that you're here today. Very thankful for the opportunity to be together. If you are visiting, thank you for coming our way. We're very happy that you're here with us today. We hope that this hour of worship will benefit you and bless you, and we're very grateful for this opportunity that we have to come together to sing, to pray, to partake of the Lord's Supper, to give of our means, to study, to be enriched by God's Word. In our study today, we're going to be looking at James chapter 5, the passage that was read a moment ago by Zach, James 5, 19 and 20. In our study today, we're going to be talking about the ways of wanderers based on what James writes in chapter 5, verse 19. He said many years ago, Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the air of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of of sins. I want us to think for a minute or two about the ways of wanderers. If you look at the history of God's people, you will see people that in days gone by, sadly, have wandered away from divine truth. The children of Israel had a history that was replete with faithfulness and then apostasy. In the New Testament, we read about individuals that succumbed to temptation, who fell away. And yet what God wants is faithfulness. God's desire is that we live in such a way so that one day we can be together in heaven. Let's think for a minute or two about the ways of wanderers. James talks about those who wander away from the truth of Almighty God. So I want to begin by talking for a moment or two about the reality of saints who leave the Lord. The reality of saints who leave the Lord. I want to begin by talking about the cautions that are set forth in Scripture about leaving the Lord. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, we read about two men, Hymenaeus and Alexander who made shipwreck of the faith. The danger of a shipwrecked faith. A very sad picture. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul speaks of Hymenaeus and Philetus, men of whom he said have strayed concerning the truth, teaching that the resurrection is already past. So on the one hand, you have the Apostle Paul talking about those who have made shipwreck of their faith. And then there are those who have had a faith that has been subverted. Now when I think about what Paul is saying here, I'm reminded of the fact that God over and over again appeals to us to live faithfully. I mean, there is the danger of a shipwrecked faith. There is the danger of having our faith subverted. So that's why Paul would say, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not vain in the Lord, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. I'm reminded of Paul when he wrote to the saints in Ephesus. And he said, be strong in the Lord, in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God. Why? That you might not 
succumb to the wiles, the schemes of the devil. And then listen to Jesus in Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. The Lord said that we are to be faithful unto death, the promise being the crown of life. And so the reality of people leaving the Lord, it's a very, it is a very real thing, isn't it? And we are cautioned against leaving the Lord. But I want you to think for a minute or two about the crisis of leaving the Lord. Did you know that it is a crisis when God's people turn their back on Him? I want to ask you a question this morning. Have you ever been present when someone has died? You know, it can be a very, can be a very peaceful occasion when somebody just quietly slips away to the Lord. On the other hand, it can be a very traumatic situation. I, I remember several years ago, a friend of mine got sick. They took him to the hospital, and the hope was that he was going to be restored to his health. Unfortunately, his health began to deteriorate. As it began to deteriorate, he became septic and ultimately succumbed to death. But I vividly recall being in the critical care unit with him and his family. The machines were turned off. And every time his heartbeat slowed down, when it reached a certain state, an alarm would go off. And after that had happened several times, I began to think, please, dear God, take this man. It's a very traumatic thing. I read about or heard about a man that many of you have probably heard of, Paul Walker. Paul Walker was an actor, a famous actor. As you well know, he was killed in an automobile accident. He was a passenger in an automobile in a Porsche. The driver was a friend, and they were speeding and lost control of that vehicle. Authorities said that the injuries that he sustained in that accident were injuries that would not have taken his life. The problem, however, he was strapped in to his seat. And according to medical authorities, he burned to death. What a horrible, tragic way to die. I say all of that to simply say that when we as children of God leave the Lord, we need to understand the crisis at hand. I think we need to know something about what we're doing to the Savior. I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 6 for a minute. The writer there talks about those who have escaped the corruptions that are in the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They have enjoyed the many blessings of Almighty God. He said they've tasted the good Word of God and the powers of the age to come. But he said, if they shall fall away, it is, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance. Why? Seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God 
and put him to an open shame. I want you to think about something. If you are a child of God and you are unfaithful, you are crucifying the very Son of God afresh. Did you know that? Now you say, there's no way I would ever take part in the crucifixion of Jesus. The Hebrew writer says, that's exactly what you're doing. Had you been at the foot of the cross, and let's just say as, as you made your way to Golgotha, to Calvary, and when you arrived at Calvary, Jesus, as you well know, fell beneath the weight of that cross. They placed that cross, that crossbar, on the shoulders of a man by the name of Simon from Serene. When he came to Calvary, and the Son of God made his way there, would you have been one that would have taken the nails and driven them through the hands and feet of Jesus? You say, absolutely not. The Hebrew writer said, that's exactly what you're doing right now. You are crucifying the Son of God afresh, and you are putting Him to an open shame. That, my friend, is a crisis. In Hebrews chapter 10, the writer talks about the danger of apostasy. And he said that those who engage in willful sin, those who leave the Lord, abort the faith, here's what he said, they trample underfoot the Son of God. Did you know that? Unfaithful members of the body of Christ, not only are they crucifying the Son of God afresh, but the writer of Hebrews said they are in effect trampling underfoot the very Son of God. Would you do that? You say, not a chance. If you're unfaithful, that's exactly what you're doing. You are counting the blood of the covenant wherewith you have been sanctified an unholy or common thing. When Jesus paid the price for your sins, it was divine blood that was shed. It wasn't common blood. It wasn't the blood of just any person. No, it was the blood of Jesus, the Son of God. He shed His blood for you. When we live unfaithfully to the Lord Jesus Christ, the writer of Hebrews said, look, there are some major implications. He said that we insult the Spirit of grace. We have been saved by the grace of God. We enjoy the lavish blessings of Almighty God, and yet we are insulting to the Son of God who paid the price for our sins. I think I know people well enough who are members of the body of Christ to know that there is no person None of us would ever want to crucify Jesus. We would never want to be insulting to what He has done on Calvary's cross, but the Hebrew writer said that is exactly what we're doing if we're living unfaithfully before Him. Major implications. So if you have left the Lord, and I want to beg you today, if you have left the Lord, if you are not faithful to the body of Christ, and let me just say this, right now. There might be some who are watching our program today or watching this worship service through the internet. If you are unfaithful to the body of Christ, you need to understand the implications of your life right now. And there are some who are members of the body of Christ and they're not here today and many of us know those people and I would plead with them 
You are on thin ice. And my prayer, my plea, would be to come back to Almighty God before it is eternally too late. James said, brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, our goal is to turn people back from ultimately everlasting destruction. So what it does to the Savior, and then also consider what does it do to the saint? Peter in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 15, talks about those who have forsaken the right way. In verses 20 through 22, he pictures an apostate saint. He said, if after we have escaped the corruptions, the pollutions that are in the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we are again entangled in them and overcome. Listen to him. He said, the latter end is worse than the beginning." It would have been better not to have known the way of righteousness than after having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to you. Do you know what he's saying? He is saying that as a child of God, with opportunity comes responsibility. And one day you're going to stand before Almighty God and you're going to give an account of the deeds done in the body as an unfaithful member of the body of Christ. You turned your back on all kinds of blessings. You knew exactly what you were doing. And the punishment that will be meted out for you far greater than someone who never knew the truth of Almighty God. The implications are incredible. Are you faithful? Are you unfaithful? I want to say before we move to the second point, if you are an unfaithful member of the body of Christ, you are on very thin ice. And if you step out into eternity, I want you to know today, you have no hope. You are lost. L-O-S-T, lost. Do you understand what that means? You will be severed from the presence of Almighty God forever and ever and ever. That will be your state. You need to know something about that. You need to understand that what we're talking about today is serious business. It will impact your eternal destiny. Did you know that? So I think about the reality of saints who leave the Lord. Then secondly, what are the reasons why saints leave the Lord? James tells us why people leave the Lord. First, he said, because of the trials of life. James chapter 1, verse 2. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. James is saying that trials can be a stepping stone to greater spiritual maturity. But you need to understand trials can discourage us in the faith, can't they? Do you remember Elijah, that great prophet of God? After having stood before the prophets of Baal, the Bible tells us he withstood them. As a result of that, in chapter 19, the wife of King Ahab sent word to him. And she said, in effect, let me tell you what, Elijah, you're going to die. Elijah fled for his life. He was discouraged and despondent. God had to remind him that he still had 7,000 that had not bowed the knee to Baal. The point is that as children of God, when we face the various trials of life, whether it's the loss of a job, Reversal of income, 
whether it be health problems, sickness, disease, whatever, those things can debilitate and discourage God's people, can't they? I mean, you know, you've been there. When you're dealing with a protracted illness, after a period of time, you know, sometimes you just say, why? Why can't I get better? Why can't I get back to where I once was? Trials can be very discouraging. Trials can not only discourage us in the faith, but they can destroy our faith. One of the great examples in Scripture is Job. Job lost his health, his family, his wealth. He lost the support of his wife. And yet, Job was willing to withstand the onslaught of trials that came his way. There have been a lot of folks that have suffered a lot less, and they have succumbed to the difficulties of life. And their faith has been cast aside. I know of an individual that lost a child many years ago. I can't imagine losing a child, and yet I know that it does happen. This man lost his faith when he lost his child. Look, tragedy, tragedies occur every day, don't they? Illness, sickness, disease. I mean, these are everyday realities in the world in which we live. So we've got to develop a strong faith. That's why James said, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. In other words, when you face the trials of life, use those to bolster and strengthen your faith. I don't think he's saying that when you're in the midst of a storm that you're relishing every minute of it, but I think once you get through that storm, you can look back retrospectively and say, okay, there's some things that I've learned from this. I've learned to trust God more completely. I've learned more about the power of prayer. I've learned something about the comfort that is derived from Scripture. I've learned from looking at the lives of saints of days gone by who faced difficulties and trials and who didn't give up. Another reason why people leave the Lord. First, the trials of life. The second, the temptations of life. In James verse 13, chapter 1, he said, Let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted by God. God is not the author of temptation, is he? But he said, every man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lust. And lust, when it has conceived, brings forth sin. Sin, he said, brings forth death. Now I want you to think for a minute. The devil attacks those of us who belong to God every single day, doesn't he? You know, it's tough to bring your A game, to bring your best every day. Many of us have known great athletes. It's amazing that they can get up for a certain game and then maybe the next game they're flat. They have no energy, there's no stamina, there's no sense of endurance. They just don't have it. Yet here's, here's what you need to understand. The devil, he's bringing his A game every day. He's bringing it. And he is coming with an arsenal, an arsenal of tactics. And he's going to do everything within his power to attack your faith. I mean, he's going to bring it. And he's going to use the world and the things of the world and the allurements of the world. 
I mean, here's what he's going to say. Is it alcohol that you like? Let me tell you what, i got plenty of it. Is it some type of chemical drug? I mean, is that what you're after? Let me tell you, i got all kinds of that too. Is it sex? Is that the driving force in your life? I mean, if you want sex, I can provide it. Is it money? Materialism? What is it that floats your boat? Whatever it is, the devil has it, doesn't he? I knew a fellow that was a politician. He was a legislator in the state of Tennessee. He's retired now from that job. He told me a long time ago, he said, when you get to Nashville as a legislator, he said, you'd be surprised the number of people that'll come to you and they'll just ask you, what is it that makes you tick? What is it you want? Is it money? Is it women? Is it alcohol? I mean, what is it that you really need in life? We'll make it happen. That's the devil. Here's what Peter said, be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The devil is on you every single day as a child of God. And he is relentless. And he will not rest. That's why Paul said, neither give place to the devil. There are a lot of Christians that have given the the devil a foothold in their life. And let me just say this, once the devil gets his foot in the door, he's coming in. He will not be content until he gets in the door. And once he gets in the door, he is taking ownership. Has the devil bought, has he bought up real estate in your backyard? Is he running your life? If you're a child of God and you are unfaithful to his cause, then you have You have made shipwreck of your faith. Your faith has been subverted. As I mentioned a moment ago, you're on very dangerous ground. You have no idea how dangerous, dangerously close you're living. So, Satan attacks saints and he abducts saints. When I talk about the devil abducting saints, What I mean is, He imprisons them. I know the world says, I want to be free to do my own thing. I know the world says, you know what, I just don't have time for religion. And I know sometimes as children of God, we have this idea that we're so busy, that we've got so many demands upon our time, that we just don't have time to fit the Lord into our lives. Let me tell you what, we better find time to fit Him into our lives. He better be the whole of our lives. There are a lot of folks in the, in the body of Christ, they are prisoners of war. You may be one today. You are imprisoned by a life of willful sin. You've left the Lord. You are crucifying the Son of God afresh. You are trampling underfoot Jesus every single day. Would you do that to Him if He were here today? Would you throw Jesus to the ground and trample over Him? Would you do that? That's what you're doing if you're unfaithful to the cause of Christ. trying to wake you up. I'm trying to save your soul because you're lost. And you need to understand there is only one way to get back. It's called repentance. 
The devil's abdicated a lot of folks, and I want, to just, I want you to know right now, there are some folks who are members of the Olive Branch Church of Christ, unfaithful. And you know what? You might die, and they might put in the newspaper that you are a member of the Olive Branch Church of Christ, but you know what? That means very little. You know, obituaries are like resumes. You can say anything you want. Just because you're a member of the Olive Branch Church of Christ does not ensure that you're going to heaven. It means you've got a chance to go to heaven, doesn't it? It means you are a faithful member of the body of Christ. If you're not faithful, you're lost. I don't care if you've been baptized into Christ. I don't care if you are a charter member of this congregation. I don't care if your name is on the books from the very beginning. If you're not faithful to the Lord, you're not going to heaven. You're crucifying the Son of God afresh. You are putting Him to an open shame and you stand in danger of eternal hell. Do you understand that? You understand that? These folks that lay out and act like it doesn't really matter, I'm telling telling you right now, it matters. Somebody says, that's strong. It is strong. It needs to be strong. There's some folks that need to be awakened. They need to be awakened to the reality of where they are. Are you one of those people? Are you faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ? Look, sometimes we've got to take the gloves off. We've got to be tough. We've got to tell it like it is. When I stand before God on the day of judgment, I don't want you looking over and saying, you know what, He didn't tell me what the truth is. Do me a favor. You tell the Lord, Mike Hickson told me the truth. Will you do that? If you lose your soul, it's not going to be, the blood's not going to be on my hands. It's going to be on your hands. You die, you lose your soul in eternal hell, it's on you. You understand that? It's on you. I don't care if you're young, old, doesn't matter. It's on you. And don't think for a minute that there aren't people in the body of Christ dying and losing their soul every day. Why? Because they're unfaithful. The world has captured their allegiance. They're back in the world. Are you back in the world? You're either saved or lost. You're faithful, unfaithful. You're either in, you're out. Where are you? Where are you? There are more people who need to hear this lesson. If you know somebody who's not a faithful member of the body of Christ, you send them a copy of this lesson. They need to hear it. They need to wake up. There are some folks that are home in bed right now that need to be here. There are some folks we've talked to, we've counseled with, we've encouraged, we've texted. They're still not here. What are we going to do about it? They're unfaithful. They're lost. Are you lost? Serious stuff. Thirdly, restoring saints who have left the Lord. First, in order to restore somebody who has left the Lord, that individual must be convicted of sin. Listen again to what James said. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, some translations say, and someone converts him. The idea is there must be conviction of sin. There has to be awareness. 
Some folks don't know they're lost. They're in the body of Christ. They've been baptized into Christ. They're living in the world, and they have forgotten what it means to be a child of God. Do you know who you are? Do you know whose you are? If you're not faithful to the body of Christ, something's amiss. There must be conviction of sin, a recognition that you are crucifying the Son of God afresh, that you are trampling underfoot the very Son of God. Got to be awareness. Luke 15, the prodigal son went out, spent all that he had on riotous, wasteful living. And the Bible says in verse 17, he came to himself. That light went off. And he thought, you know what? Time to go home. That light going off for you today? If it's not, it needs to. I'm trying to wake you up. I'm trying to save your soul. Conviction of sin has to be awareness. 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul talks about those, talks about those who have left the faith. And the goal is that they may come to repentance, that they may come to their senses. That's the idea that we're talking about here. Awareness. And then awareness leads to acknowledgement. A confession of sin, doesn't it? I mean, think about what the prodigal said. When he came back home, he said, I've sinned against heaven, and in your sight, plainer words could not have been spoken. When David sinned against the Lord in Psalm 51, the penitential psalm, David voiced, voiced, a heartbroken life when he said, Against you and you only have I sinned and done this great wickedness in your sight. It's got to be awareness, has to be acknowledgement. So we talk about we talk about conviction of sin. And then there must be the conversion from sin. Again, James talks about those who are turned back. In verse 20, he said, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way. The idea here, repentance. A change of mind followed by a change of actions. Repentance. You know, we don't hear a lot about repentance anymore, but Jesus said, I tell you, except you repent, you will all likewise perish. When the Apostle Paul preached on Mars Hill, he said, the times of ignorance God winked at, but now commands all men everywhere, listen to him, to repent. And do you know why? Because he said he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. If you're unfaithful, the way home is repentance. What can you expect? You can expect restoration. James said, you hide a multitude of sin. You save a soul from death. That's spiritual death. Paul said it like this, the wages of sin is death. To be restored back, back to fellowship with God, with His people. Here's what John said, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I want to close today by saying this. If you are unfaithful to the cause, 
my plea to you is come home. Please come home. I want you to know that God loves you. That God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The Bible says, confess your faults one to another, pray one for another. The church here at Olive Branch would be happy to pray with you and for you. And you can, and you can enjoy the blessings of being forgiven once again. You can enjoy the hope of heaven. All those spiritual blessings that you once claimed can be yours again if you'll come home. Think with me for one moment. Let's just say that this week you were killed in an automobile accident. Don't tell me it can't happen because it happens all the time. And you are ushered into eternity. Where will you be? Think about it this way. You died yesterday morning. This morning. Where are you? Where are you? Are you among the saved or the lost? If you're here today and you're not a Christian, we always encourage people to come to Christ. Believing, believing that Jesus paid the price for our sins. What would you need to do? Believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Repent of your sins. Be baptized into Christ. Acts 2.38. That's what Peter said on Pentecost Day. God will put you in the church. Acts 2.47. If you're faithful, the assurance is heaven. If you're unfaithful, and you're here today and what has been said has resonated with you and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're lost and you need to come home, look, we're here to help you, not hurt you. We want you to come back as we stand and sing.